Hello and welcome once again to our podcast, Unboxable Unstoppable. I'm Elena Telly and I'm so pleased that you were able to log in or download or however it is that you're listening to this podcast. I really appreciate you being here. So housekeeping generally, please rate, review, share, anything you can do to support the podcast. Hugely appreciated. This is all about changing the future with brilliant ideas for parents and women particularly but anyone really who wants to stop around by and say hello and have a listen uh, I'm not fussy so today I would love to talk about one of my favorite topics which is connection and why we humans need it so very much Um, that's not to say that we don't require a certain degree of self-sufficiency and resilience we do but I think more and more these days we're learning the absolute essential human need for connection and how we have kind of forgotten it a little bit at times and the importance of it in our lives and I want to kind of bring that back front and centre to what we do and how we choose to live. So connection and why we humans need it so very much you know, there's a lot of talk about modern society, yada, yada, Western culture, yada, yada. We've heard it all before. So much so I think we largely ignore the idea of human connection and why it's so important to us because it's such a kind of overly discussed thing in many ways, a bit of a cliche. But there's some great resources. I've done a little bit of research, not a lot, just a really brief foray into this concept. And One thing that came up that was interesting, there's a science magazine in America. It's by the American Academy for the Advancement of Science, the AAAS, I think it is. Anyway, they did a study way back in 1988, and it was the link between social relationships and health. And in that study, in the abstract, increased risk of death among persons with a low quantity and sometimes low quality of social relationships, experimental and quasi-experimental studies of humans and animals also suggest that social isolation is a major risk factor for mortality from widely varying causes. So I'll put this in the article that accompanies this podcast, the reference, so you can look at it yourself. But, you know, there's a reason that the most severe of penalties in all of our history, in our fables, even today, like in jail, in in incarceration, involve segregation, isolation or exile. I mean, one great example of that that comes to mind is there's a beautiful book by David Malouf called An Imaginary Life, and it tells the story of Ovid, the great Roman poet, imperial Roman. And because he's so irreverent in Roman society, he gets banished. And the book is this amazing account of his experience in exile and what it's like living as an outsider when nobody around you speaks the language, when you don't speak the language of anybody around you, when you don't understand the customs, when everybody looks at you as an outsider. He was living in, you know, the barbarian lands around the uncivilised lands, the tribal lands outside of civilised Rome when he'd lived his whole life in civilised Rome. So, you know, it's a beautiful account. And The reason that is so compelling, I guess, you know, why exile is the greatest punishment is, I mean, we know from anthropology that the only reason that we can live in groups is because we can cooperate and collaborate. And I'm a collaborator from way back. It's something that I love to do. It's not something that comes natural to everybody. I feel like we are moving 
now as a whole in general, as the human race, we're moving towards far greater collaboration and less competition, I hope. That's what seems to be happening around me anyway. And I think that by doing this, we work together and we optimise our chances and our quality of life. You know, I think survival in the past depended on us cooperating. And when we divide tasks, we allow people to specialise and become experts and they can then do things better and quicker and more effectively. And there's a little bit of this also in the book Sapiens, um, fantastic book about why Homo sapiens are the species of humans that survived evolution. We're the only human species that survived evolution. And according to Harari, the author, the reason is that we have a specific way of understanding abstract ideas and understanding stories. Our brains evolved in a particular way, which allowed us to be compelled to act by ideas and stories. And if we were not able to be compelled to act by ideas and stories, we would have only been able to stay in small groups. But because we were able to be compelled to act by a story, that story could move between groups and we could then band together as bigger groups. And these bigger groups could then overcome the smaller ones in terms of competition, in terms of food, in terms of war. So we could all fight under one idea in a much bigger group. And that's why we survived. It's a very, look, it's a bastardized version of what I'm giving you now, but that's the basic premise. And what that means is that we can communicate with each other through story and abstract ideas, which is an incredible thing to be able to do. And it unifies us as a group and it allows us to survive and survive really well and win the fight and compete for food, all that ancient survival kind of stuff. So what's that got to do with human connection? Well, our brains have now evolved to feel a threat to social connections in exactly the same way as we feel physical pain. Now, I don't know if you've ever been well experienced being ousted or being expelled from a group socially. I have. It's excruciating. Like it feels, I mean, it's horrible. I remember the feeling distinctly and it's such a horrible feeling. Or if you've ever been like, you know, in the school playground and someone's talking to someone else and not talking to you and they're friends. Or you feel unwelcome in a group of people that you traditionally have felt welcome in. I mean, it's it's awful. It's an awful feeling. And the reason for that is that it's exactly the same neural pathway in our brains, the same circuitry that gives us physical pain as gives us social pain. And this is a really interesting idea. There's a book called Social, Why Our Brains Are Wired to Connect, which is written by a neuroscientist called Matthew Lieberman. I haven't read it, but from what I understand of it, superficially it talks about this and why we do this and I mean I think this is just fascinating in terms of also even as parents as mothers why we often really seek connection human connection in our experiences when we become new mothers and we need the support of other women and the support of our village and our society it's it's hardwired in us if we don't have it we feel pain literally and I think that there are really massive ramifications of this in our lives in general. So we live in houses that generally are the, you know, uh, the nuclear family, right? The the little, you know, two parents, couple of kids kind of situation, more or less. And what that means is that we become isolated from our extended family, from our community. We can work and we can create schedules that in a way keep us isolated. And I was reading recently about how this, there's this fantastic idea of ways that you can 
um, not just simplify your life in terms of declutter and organize things differently, but also the way that we can understand how to declutter and simplify our schedules, particularly for our children. I don't know about you, but I know a lot of people who they have children who really have schedules and the parents are just racing from thing to thing. You know, it's something on every afternoon of the week, three kids going to, I mean, my husband and I were talking about, gosh, if we have another child at school, we're going to probably need another car to be able to ferry our kids around in all the places we need to ferry them because I've got three children. And and I was thinking, goodness, that's that's full on, isn't it? We need another car to keep up with our own self-imposed schedule, <laughs> our own calendar. Because we think our kids need to do five different activities, you know, swimming, dancing, martial arts, flute, team sport, whatever it is. And, you know, we all, I think a lot of us will relate to this feeling that we need to give our kids exposure to all these things and it's part of their development. And is it though? I mean, is it? Like, is it really? Or would it be better to just try one thing at a time and to say, okay, you know what? You go play. You go enjoy discovering your own pathway through learning. Let's give you time to be you and explore what you're really into and what you really love. And out of that, let's find one thing that you do a week, one activity that you do that takes up time, that takes up less of our time running you around and racing around. And I mean, sure, it's it's a nice idea to sit there and have a minute while your kid <laughs> is doing an activity. That also gives us something. I understand that. And no judgment, you know, if that's your way, totally fine. No worries, like enjoy it. But I think it really made me question, why do we do so many things? Why do we spend so much time and money putting our kids through so many activities and making them so busy? Like my daughter, sometimes she's exhausted. She's both of our days on the weekends, you know, she gets up early for team sports, she gets up early for swimming each day of the weekend, then so do we, you know, we don't have sleep-ins, we don't have that sort of cruisy time. I mean, I black out weekends so that we can connect with ourselves and have a bit of time, free time. You know, living in the city, it's easy to sort of forget that we can just go knock on someone's door. I mean, we don't even really do that anymore because it's sort of rude, like in the era of mobile phones in the big city, you know, you just don't really knock on people's doors very often. We sort of do it with the neighbours, which is beautiful. And I think we're lucky to have that. And I love that. It's so nice to feel natural connections following the natural rhythms of our day and our weeks and our months, rather than always like, okay, let's put something in the diary. Let's put something in the diary. So at the moment, I actually put spaces in the diary. I put weekends where you're not allowed to book things. You're not allowed. And it's really easy to forget that. And just get busy because there's people I want to see. It's a bit ironic, isn't it? We need space and time, but we also need to stay connected. So there's a little bit of a juxt, like a, almost a juxtaposition of ideas. And it's almost in cahoots because there's a, con- there's a sort of a conflict, isn't there? And I find it really difficult to resolve. And I think it's not straightforward. And we all need to find our own rhythms. For me, I don't know, I, I've had experiences of being really isolated in my life, like as a single parent, found that really isolating at times. It was pretty good, but but there were moments, you know, like a Sunday where my child wasn't with me, for example, and everyone else had their kids with them and was having family time, or I felt like I was imposing on someone else's time if I wanted to do something with them on a Sunday. You know, Sundays can be really hard. In fact, I heard that um, Keith Urban and Nicole Kidman, I think one of their children is called Sunday, and that's for that reason, because their loneliest days before they had their child together were Sundays. So I thought that was really beautiful. And I, and it's true, like 
that loneliness, I mean, it's gut-wrenching and it's too common. There's so many books about this now that the subtle art of not giving up, the, the follow-up book, which was, I think, um, I can't remember the name, but it's a fantastic book. And, and also that book, Lost Connections, is another book about how so many of our ailments and so many of our issues in this age of connectivity you know, are coming from the fact that we are not connected with each other. So I do simple things. I mean, I just find that I'm just going to share what I do. It's not, it's not meant to be advice, but more just ideas. I sometimes create regular things that I don't have to think about. So every full moon, I get together with a bunch of women because that way I remain connected to them. And it's without too much effort and without too much trying. And it's also in rhythm with nature. And that's a really beautiful thing. And it's something that just happens without us organising it or thinking about it. And so I stay connected that way, or I try and just organise regular things, because that's what works for me. Not too many, not so many that I feel constricted by it, but enough. And that seems to be a really beautiful way for me to kind of keep connected. I guess the other thing that I do as well now is I really am selective about the people that I remain connected with. So I go for quality over quantity. And that means sometimes I have to say no to things. It doesn't mean I don't like someone or I don't want to do something. But sometimes it's just that I'd rather save my time for the people that I feel that real soul connection with. And I've learned to discern the difference. I've learned to understand the difference between a real true heart connection and one that just feels like an obligation. You know, so Learning that difference has also helped me a lot just by feeling into the body. How do I feel around someone? And, you know, there's that beautiful thing about people don't remember what you did. They remember how you made them feel. And that's so beautiful because it's about really take your time as the precious resource that it is and use it wisely and spend it on the people that that you love and that you feel that way around, you know. It's a very kind of nuanced thing, isn't it? It's a bit of a magical thing. But if you think about the difference between those people that you just feel you can be 100% yourself, you're naturally connected to, and those people that, you know, you don't feel that way around, there's a big difference. So pursue that and bring that into your consciousness and really make it a high priority, you know. And those things, I think, embellish our connection and help us to avoid that sense of isolation. And I certainly know that I mean, in my experience, I've spent plenty of time with the kind of people that did not nourish me. And, you know, that was out of desperation and out of, I guess, a degree of pain and shame that I needed to do that. But gosh, isn't it beautiful when we can remember the magical bliss of connection and how we need it and how we really need it. So let's, I hope, remember and let's prioritise that in our lives. Let's prioritise connection over these other things, collaboration over competition, and remember that we work better together. So that's my little uh, why we humans need connection talk. I hope you enjoyed that. And if you did, please let me know. Um, I love to hear from you. And until next time, stay connected, people. Lots and lots of love. Bye for now. (laughs) 